stop, listen, and ask yourself, have you ever pondered at the idea that there may be something to the other side? If so, and you're hearing my voice for the first time, then you may have just fallen into the void. Hey there, listener. Yes, you. And welcome back to another episode of Into the Void, where we talk about anything and everything paranormal. I'm your host with the most, G-Man, and alongside me is my awesome co-host, The Mystic. For those of you who have been following us, we want to say thank you so much, and please continue to follow us. We were on what felt like the longest vacation I had ever taken. We were on vacation. <laughs> That's what it felt like, right? I mean, we did work, but it was like, yeah, I don't know. Quotation marks. Quota- air, air, air quotes. Air work. quotes up in the air. So the holidays are officially or have been officially over for a while, and yet I can still feel the hangover from all the holiday festivities. It's called age. <laughs> Mystic, how were your holidays? Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they were I, so exciting. They were so. It was yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it was a typical Mexican Christmas. We had Mexican food and Mexican rituals and a bunch of boring Mexican stuff. All <laughs> right. <laughs> I hope that doesn't go in the episode. Get me in a lot of trouble. Matt, <laughs> keep that in there, please. <laughs> Damn it. Um, so it's Mystic. It's a new year. That means more new things are on the way for us here at Into the Void. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, we've been working hard to bring you, the listener, the best possible show that we could bring. Uh, now, we'll get more into that later because right now it's time to get back into our three-part series titled Hunting 101. And welcome to part two where we will be talking about equipment. Now, in this episode four, we talked about, or in episode four, we talked about the type of knowledge you would need prior to going into an investigation. Uh, the focus of this episode is about the type of equipment that paranormal investigators use. We want to share some of our most basic equipment used and some insight on what their functions are and even a little history. Ooh. So let's start with uh let's start with something very simple. Okay. Now check this out. Yes, Mystic is raising his hand. He has a question. <laughs> um quick disclaimer. This is a very new pseudoscience, so don't take anything we say literally because there's no sufficient amount of data to actually prove without beyond a shadow of a doubt anything that we say. Exactly, um, yeah. A lot of it is going to be conjecture, but with that being said, it's one of those things where you're going to have to go and do it yourself to get your own conclusions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I'm just going to go with something simple here. I'm going to give you a little history, and then I'll just let you know how this ties in with the equipment. Uh, in 1920, Thomas Edison theorized with the idea of being able to talk with the afterlife by way of phone, or what is known as the spirit phone. In the aftermath of World War One. Spiritualism had been revived and many people were looking for answers from the other sides in hopes to know if their loved one or family member found peace or solace in the afterlife. Now, Edison was in agreement with a man by the name of Sir William Crooks. Did I say that right? Crooks? Considering it's an English name, I'm going to make the assumption that you said that pretty spot on. Okay. He claimed to have captured images of spirits in photographs or known as spirit Photographs. You ever you ever seen that before? A, a spirit photograph? Uh, I have um, a lot of 
a lot of the stuff you'll find, unfortunately, um, was really crappy hoaxes because around this time uh, is also like where the age of spiritualism and mysticism really started kicking in. Yeah, that's right. So you had a lot of people, even in major cities of the time, still kind of holding on to like, I wouldn't say backwoods beliefs, but like the rural family beliefs of there are things that go bump in the dark. Right. So I have seen them. They're, some are very convincing. Some are obvious fakes. And these people claim to have caught what they call ectoplasm. Mm, um, is the, right. Is the substance that they yeah. claim. Supposedly Secretes spirits, out of the medium, so yeah. on and so forth. Yeah. And supposedly spirits will leave behind some sort of gooey plasma, which, I mean, if you watch Ghostbusters, you obviously see it in Ghostbusters. Exactly, yeah. But you know there is a there is speculation that that is real that ectoplasm is a real thing. That's very true. That's very true. Unfortunately, we weren't around at the time to debunk these photographs, but a lot of people would, um, because of the the chemicals used back in the day in the dark room, you can get away with quote unquote ectoplasm by sprinkling on a special chemical that would make the photo bleed in certain places to kind of like give that effect because back then people would believe almost anything. Right. Yeah. A lot of hoaxes out there and that, that, um, but that like I said, there me. are, there are spirit photos from then and even now where it's you, you get like goosebumps because you're like, that could be an actual thing Yeah, that someone's going through right now. Oh yeah. You know, supposedly these photos uh, encouraged to break ground on the, the spirit phone that Edison had the idea for. Sadly, though, Thomas Edison died in 1931, and no such plans seemed to have existed yet. Now, there was speculation that in 1941, Thomas Edison's spirit told participants at a seance. Now, remember, a lot of people were going to these cults. They were going to these seances for, for answers. So, you know, he supposedly this, the spirit of Thomas Edison told participants at a seance that three of his assistants had the actual plans to make the spirit phone. Kind of crazy. What do you think, Mystic? It's crazy. I would I would have liked someone to have built it and at least have it be in a museum somewhere to say, it's here, does it work? Who knows? Um, now, I will tell you this. There is, uh, side note-wise, there, there, there was a man in France who actually managed to get the plans. This was still about around 1940s, 1950s, managed to get the plans and make the actual spirit phone that Edison was trying to do. But it didn't work, unfortunately. So now you're probably sitting there, you're probably standing there, you're probably walking, listening to us right now, wondering what the hell does that have to do with equipment? Well, the spirit phone itself paved the way for DVRs, also known as digital voice recorders, in which its purpose is to capture any unexplained noises or electric electronic voice phenomenon. Today, we have many different type of digital voice recorders, and in the paranormal world, we use them to capture what the human ear cannot. Now, although you will not be able to receive an answer or clear answer right away, most of the time, Uploading the device on your computer or playing back, you know, the last couple of seconds can help you listen for a response during your investigation. Now, the beauty of today's technology is that we have the power to modify the sound and really be able to hear a clear answer from an investigation. I know, Mystic, 
Have you ever done something like that where you've taken the sound after an investigation and modify it to really get that clear, precise answer? Not modify it, but you bring up a good point because unless you're super lucky or super unlucky, depending on the situation, <laughs> right. you'll you'll very rarely get something you can actually audibly hear. I've only done a legitimate EVP once, and that was a quick little story. It was um, up in Turnbull. It was actually one of the ghost stories I had shared in a previous episode. Uh, it was down in the ditch. We had it was a it was a little uh, gray. Oh, episode two, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So there was it's a little gray thing that you would buy like for college lecture because you're half asleep and you need to pay attention. He's laughing, by the way. <laughs> There's my laugh. No, I used to do the same thing same, uh, for college. I had little tape recorder because my dumbass wanted to take astronomy 101. At six in the morning, oh. and that was a terrible idea. That's Anyways. the worst thing ever in the world is when you take a class that early, thinking that it's a good idea, and then you realize. But see, I like I super like the subject, oh, okay. so I wasn't complaining about the time because I'd made that choice. But when I had failed the class, I decided, okay, we're gonna take it to class later <laughs> and pass this course because that's shameful. Anyways, <laughs> the reason I was referring to that story is we didn't modify. Anything, we kind of left the area we were doing our EVP session and then just played back what we had recorded just to see if we caught anything. And then that's when we caught the little girl voice and then whatever the hell was. Oh, you caught a little girl's voice on there. So, like I said, the beauty of today's technology is, you know, being able to modify the sounds. Now, however, if you're looking to get a right away response, I'm going to tell you, Mystic has something that'll help you with that, and I personally feel would help immensely. Okay, so spirit boxes or white noise generators. Some people will say they're two separate things, and in certain ways they are, and what they do and how they do it to me is pretty similar. So the meat and potatoes of it, the machines use electromagnetic radiation as like a local sort of net. Uh, they're designed to do work off of the self-propagation properties that EM waves have, and that's a whole bunch of sciencey terms that I'm not going to get into right now. But essentially, like, if there's, like, an electrical disturbance, you can find that in a disturbance on the magnetic side and vice versa. So some versions that actually just produce static, some is just the static white noise that you hear, like, on an old cable, like, tube TV, where it's just the white and black salt and pepper on the on the screen and then there are versions that cycle through radio waves so uh, some people have their issues with that because you have instances where you can have contamination because it is cycling through radio waves you have the possibility of catching radio transmissions from broadcasting stations if there are towers around you unless you're in a super rural area some of them are also designed to just use EM waves to, like I said, create that background, that blanket that an entity can build off from. And that's how you would get your EVP. You would hear, you would obviously hear the static on the DVR if you're using that kind of noise recorder or noise generator, sorry. Uh, spirit boxes, ghost boxes, ghost boxes, not ghost boxes for me. And white noise generators is the background that it gives an entity to build from. Now, that does a couple of things. It will either mani it will either help the entity manifest its voice, and then you will capture that 
on your EVP or the electromagnetic blanket that you're giving would allow itself to manifest in other ways. Um, things would move, uh, people would get touched, attacked. Again, that's all dependent on what's going on for you. So, like I said, the cycling of radio frequencies is good in a sense because it gives the chance of the entity to recycle words that are already existing. There are other tools that hunters use that actually kind of feed off of the static and what they do is it's there's programmed voices in the machine and so the slightest little um, sound into the microphone will actually translate into a into an audible word that you can hear outside of the video uh, voice recorder sorry uh, that was a little side note but essentially like I said they kind of all do the same thing and then from there you would get into your visuals and then I know G-Man's got that covered uh, so go ahead and take it away yeah so for this one I don't really have any history to give uh, but more of like an insight on what but, but that's fine because video cameras haven't been around oh yeah no for no very long and definitely then, and then even implementing them into the field is also even newer so definitely that's, absolutely that's okay uh, this is gonna be more of like the inside of the thermal thermal camera and its functions you know it the thermal camera itself uh, it renders infrared radiation as, as visible light it picks up and visibly shows your body heat uh, a lot of commercial and industrial and government facilities use this type of device I know for a fact that uh, there are fire departments that use these because it helps find, you know, if someone's trapped in a fire, it helps them find it. There's a, it's a very important piece of equipment to have when doing a paranormal investigation. And, and these are really just due to these reasons. Sudden hot and cold spots will pop up on these, uh, these thermal cameras. Drastic temperature fluctuations, uh, strange drafts of, uh, from unknown areas, sounds from within the walls, uh, sounds of movement from empty areas. Now... If you're wondering what I mean by sounds from within the walls, that means that if you're on an investigation and you're and you keep hearing a sound, uh, let's say you're doing an EVP session and you're using a thermal camera to find any hot spots or cold spots, and you keep hearing a weird sound within the walls, and you're trying to get an explanation for it, your thermal camera will actually pick up what's inside the wall, um, whether it shows like a, a a small mouse or a rat, could be anything from a squirrel. Uh, they all give off body heat, so what it does is it'll be able to render the heat given off by that particular rodent, just to kind of help you clarify whether or not there is something paranormal or not. Also, uh, the drastic temperatures and uh, fluctuations, I know for a fact that on the thermal camera, it shows you, uh, it'll show you the temperature. Uh, you can set, there's settings you can put on there, and it has a setting for temperature, and it'll show you, uh, it'll read the temperature in the room. Now... I know that there are temperature gauges out there that you can use to read the, to get a better accurate reading. Um, but if you don't have that and you have a thermal camera, to my understanding, that's probably your best bet to do it. Go ahead, Mystic. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, just no, just a bunch off of that. Or most thermal cameras will have a scale built into the frame. That's right. Um, yeah, there's a scale in there. That's yeah, right. Um, the only cameras I've seen that do that with every model camera they put out is FLIR. I mean, and then with every ver with every because uh, they have multiple viewing modes, they have um, you get heat vision, the infrared, uh, night vision stuff. So they all have a scale somewhere on the screen um, that'll show you 
that I think adjusts to like the overall ambiance of the environment. Yes. Um, to kind of give you something to. Yeah, they do that. Um, basically, it just it helps debunk debunk or find the cause of these claims. Please remember that even though having a thermal camera can help you, it doesn't always mean it's the best source. Many people have reported capturing some sort of anomaly only to discover it was their own reflection. Now, there are multiple videos out there on YouTube where you see people using these thermal cameras. Um, and as the camera pans to the left or pans to the right, um, they, they tend to think that they caught a ghostly figure, uh, some sort of apparition, you know, manifesting itself within the thermal camera, only to discover that it's their own reflection. Now, thermal cameras are nice, but Mystic, I believe you found uh, something really interesting that's really interesting in my mind. Laser grids? Is that right? Okay, so laser grids was a thing that was looked into when Microsoft came out with the Kinect. So what was happening and Hey, man, shout out if you have a connect and know what I'm talking about. For real, if you have a connect. Like, comment, reach out to us. I really want to talk to you. Absolutely. So when the connect came out, what the connect does is when it's powered on, it casts out ultraviolet, a grid of ultraviolet laser beams against wherever you have it facing. And that's how it captures you moving around onto the camera. It catches what's bouncing back or what's being disturbed. So what a lot of people we're finding out is that the connect never really turns off because it i think it had a feature where like if you sat in front of it long enough it would recognize your face and it would turn on i don't know something big, oh, something wow. real super i wish bright. i had one of those because i never got to use one but i've seen you know <laughs> paranormal nah, man, activity nah, man. i read 1984 nah that's cool <laughs> right george yeah. called it yeah no but they are <laughs> they are interesting uh pieces of equipment to have for a gaming console but also to be able to use that piece of equipment uh that accidentally you know right so to get it to where you're going is people were seeing captures on their xbox of like random things in front of the camera because because again the lasers never really turn off so if something walks in front of it it captures so when that became a thing and a lot of people were saying, oh, I caught this and I caught that, yada, yada, yada. Com- the, I would call it the community. The, the hunting community said there could be something to this. There's no way we're going to know if we don't find out. So basically, the theory behind it is that you can cast a laser grid on a wall or down a hallway. And what some, what some most of them really are are just like the super military grade bright obnoxious green laser pointers and then there's a special lens that diffuses and splits the singular laser beam into like a couple of hundred right reading up on it i find if it were if it were up to me to take it on a hunt i would use like an infrared projector in combination with the thermal cam because some thermal cams if not most thermal cams give you um, an infrared option or the night vision where you have that gray scale to everything, that monochrome uh, kind of feel to it. And you can actually see the laser beams being projected because it's all in infrared. So to me that you could see you have a far better spectrum to determine uh, anomalies in movement. Again, this is all conjecture. There's no real 
solid evidence aside from testimony of other people. And that's what really like stepped up the difficulty level for this episode is we wanted to talk about these things without sounding like salespeople. And we wanted to try and give you guys the science or as much of the science as we could because why would we try to sell you something if you're not going to go use it? Precisely. It, and like you said, how this was challenging. This really was a very challenging uh, research to do for this episode because, like you said, we don't want to sound like we're, we're, we're selling anything to you. Yeah, because in my notes, it was really starting to sound like I was selling something. Because Same here, yeah. So, so when I was looking up like the ghost box, um, I was taken to a page that sells equipment, and then underneath everything, they kind of gave a description of yada, yada, yada. I had found uh, an article relating to that of a team from New York, I think. But they're, they're from the East Coast, and it was a JB7X something is what they were using. And, it, and I clicked it, and it took me to the website. But their article was is they were just telling – they were basically saying, yeah, we took it to this investigation on such and such site, and we heard this, this, and this. And I go, that's cool, but I'm not looking for testimony because anyone can say anything works. Um, and those people we call door to door salesmen. <laughs> I used to be one of those. It was an interesting job, but we can talk about that some other time. <laughs> as far as the laser grids, the laser pointer with the lens it will, is probably the most common I've seen people use as far as the research I've done for the episode. I've not used it myself, so I don't have any real yay or nay if it captures anything or if it helps with the investigation. Hey, shout out if you have. Like and comment. We'd like to talk to you. That would be great. Uh, in the coming future, I would like to get my own personal like arsenal going. Two, it's a two-sided thing. It's one to keep the hobby alive, but then it's also to kind of see for myself if it's not all BS. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, because... The way I hunt is like I believe in it all, but then I look at it and go, it's all bullshit anyways. You know, and see, that's that's the, the thing with me is like when I was first doing investigations, my mindset was just like, oh, man, everything is so spooky, you know, so ghosty this and ghosty that. But it's as time spooky. went on, as time went on, like you start to really look at these videos that people are posting online of ghosts and a um poltergeist or something and it just really makes you go well how do i know that there's not someone else with you and that's where you have to go and do it yourself you know you do the investigation yourself you use the devices uh laser grids uh, the connect device for the the console and just do it yourself and just try it out and see what happens all right one of the many things i love about doing this podcast show is the research on the different types of tools used you know in the investigative world of the paranormal in this case, it's the dousing rods. Now, there are a lot of people out there who uh, believe that the dousing rod or rods um, are a hoax, that they don't actually work, that they're fake. Can I say that they work? There's a part of me that says, yes, they do work. I've used them before. They have a very interesting connection with but the paranormal. But you still have that little bit that's but yeah, skeptical there's about always, it. There's always that little bit of, of skepticism Wow, I said that completely off. Skepticism. <laughs> Skepticism. To where it makes you go, uh, how do I know that like it's not my muscles that are moving this or something heat-wise is, is causing this to move? But I will give you this. They are considered to be outside of the realm of paranormal investigations. That most likely due to the fact that dousing rods are considered to be 
not practical. This is interesting. According to Harvard University's science department, they dismiss dousing rods altogether, stating, and I quote, controlled field of laboratory results has not established the validity of dousing and that the scientific standard for it has no basis in fact. Now, mind you, these are scientists that are taking the paranormal and they're debunking it in every possible way. So for them to say that the dousing rods don't work, they have every right to say it. But at the same time, if you yourself have never done it, what gives you the right to say that it doesn't work or that it's not scientific? Exactly. And yet, if we look at history of the device, we see that from, no joke, the 15th century to the 21st century, dousing has been used for a multitude of services. I mean, it's not just the paranormal. Remember, dousing started off with just being able to find water, simply used by individuals to search for elements in the ground. Water, iron, gold, silver, and get this, even petroleum, which is the craziest thing in the world to me because I never thought in a million years that petroleum would give off some sort of energy or magnetic energy or something that would allow the dousing rod to find petroleum in the first place, and yet, People have, and it, it's it's it blows my mind. Yeah, it, it's it's funny because when you were talking about the scientists, it's the way I look at it. I want to say it works because I've seen it work on YouTube. I've seen, I've heard people say it works because their family is so deep rooted in old folklore traditions. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That those stories exist. But if I were to analyze it scientifically, like what as to what properties the rods themselves have versus what if it's something environmental you look into into all of it and it's again it's really hard to decipher it's hard to debunk but it's just one of those things that work yeah just, exactly it, um so for those of you who don't really aren't really familiar with the dousing rods especially for the paranormal uh people that out there who are uh doing their own investigations maybe even you the listener right now are, is doing an investigation the theory is that the rods act like a conductor of hidden energy uh, so you can see where the paranormal aspect comes into play. The dousing rods act as a source of energy when a spirit resides uh, with these fields. They are then drawn upon the energy to uh, to manifest themselves. Right. So when using the dousing rods in an investigation, usually instructions are announced uh, to any spirit presence uh, present on how the rods are used. So, for example, let's say Mystic and myself are doing an investigation and we're using the dousing rods to get a not a, a verbal answer, but a some sort of answer letting us know that there is a spirit presence. Uh, I would take the dousing rods and I would hold them in both my left hand, my right hand, making a fist. And what you do is you keep them up to your chest so that way your hands don't, you know, move them. And then you just start asking questions. Now, the questions that you ask, I've heard a lot of people ask questions that are very vague. You're looking for questions in a way that will allow the dousing rods to move. If you tell the spirit, if you are a good spirit, uh, can you move the dousing rods to the left and hope and hopes that they move to the left? If you know if you're bad, move to the right. Sometimes you don't even have to ask a question. You can just start looking for any anomalies any par anything paranormal and if the dousing rods start to cross in front of each other uh making an x supposedly then there is a spirit residing right in front of you now modern dousing rods are made from a type of metal typically iron or copper uh early days though they were made from wood uh so that they can bend 
at the presence of water. Now, the wood ones, to my understanding, were more like a slingshot slingshot shape with the V for, for your hands and then like something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's supposed to be long and extended. So that way if there is water, supposedly then the wooden ones will start to bend down. Yeah. That's to what show I heard you. too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, th- this is all in theory. Um, as far as the iron and the, the, the copper dousing rods, I can tell you from personal experience that it has worked it. And it's not even just the fact that they're moving it's the type of energy that you start to feel within yourself. And that, to me, starts to give me a little more justice as to whether these really do work in the paranormal world. Let me ask you, listener. Are the dousing rods a good source of interacting, source of interacting with the afterlife? From everything that you just heard, uh, would you be one to try and communicate with spirits using these tools of old? I mean... There are a multitude of tools to use out there to interact with the, with the paranormal. But these have been around since the 15th century. So it kind of makes you go, well, it's old, but is it useful? You know, is it, is it accurate? So again, at listener, I ask you, do you think that these, uh, <laughs> these dousing rods are, you know, a good source of interacting with the afterlife? I've never used them, um, but as with any old world methodology of trying to communicate with the other side, you you have to do it yourself. You have to mm-hmm. do it yourself. I've like I said, I've all I've used is like I've I've seen people use pendulums. I've seen people use um, the obvious the obvious one being the Ouija board, and I never 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 recommend that because obvious reasons. Anyways, <laughs> you know I was just. Uh, I was just thinking that actually might be an episode in itself uh, about I think that the Ouija would be... board because there is so much speculation about that and so many accounts and, and, and testimonies of things really happening when using that. So, I mean, you know, and then there's, you know, books and movies and instructions and all this stuff on it. But, yeah, I mean, that might that actually might be an episode in itself. I, I'm actually way OK with that. Just as long as we don't play the Ouija board. Well, as long as you don't play the Ouija board. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm going to play the Ouija board. Okay, then we're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice knowing you. <laughs> Do I think the dowsing rods would be good or at least useful? I don't know useful, but every tool is a good tool, in my opinion. You can never... It's either going to work or it's not. And like I said, you're either going to catch it or you're not going to catch it or it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. You're just going to have to do what I use them on a hunt. I would give it a shot because it's one of those things like I've not done before practical on the fence about it, I guess. But as far as useful, like I said, there's no bad tool. A lot of times it's operator error. You're just not the person meant to use that tool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause no, I've, cause true. I've seen, I've seen people that like with dowsing rods, sometimes the rods will work for one or two people. And then they try to hand it off to people who don't, who don't believe but want to, and then it doesn't happen for them. And that's the finickiness of the paranormal is if it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. You weren't meant to see it. You weren't meant, you're not the person that wanted to show itself to. Right, yeah. Like I said, all of this is all conjecture. You, you, the listener, have to take it at face value and understand that this is all just from what we've done, from what we've read and researched, if you want any genuine credibility for yourself or to have for yourself, you got to go do it 
Yeah. I'm going to say right now, that's probably going to be one of the biggest things on this show is letting you know that even though everything we talk about, everything that we discuss, you know, it's all great and dandy. But in the end, it's all about you, the listener, and going out and doing it yourself and getting your own results. That's the best possible advice we can give you. Now, if you don't want to go out and do it, that's perfectly fine, too. But you're never going to know unless you go and do. Precisely. Precisely. All right. Well, it's time for our favorite part of the show called Final Thoughts. And that is just our final thoughts before we end the show. Uh, Basically, just a sum up of everything that we've talked about. Letting the listener know that, you know, whatever it is that we talked about, do it. Don't do it. It's all up to you type of ordeal. Again, shout out if you have anything. Like, comment, contact us. Like to talk to you. Absolutely. Just want to say final thoughts on this. Uh, from everything that we just talked about in this episode, I will say this. The equipment that we talked about is all basic equipment that we ourselves would use when it comes to an investigation. Now, we know, my, Mystic and myself both know that there are lots of other different types of tools out there to use. More modern tools, more oldie-timey tools. But again, it's all about you, the listener, and you and going out and doing what it is that you want to do with this investigation. Whether it's you know getting the dousing rods, getting a laser grid field, uh, using a uh, digital voice recorder, DVR. Um, there are other equipment pieces of equipment out there that are even more high tech and even more expensive. But I will say this. If you are going to start your own investigation listener, start off easy. Start off cheap. There's no shame in, in starting on starting off cheap. That means if you have to go out and buy a, you know, a tape recorder with a cassette tape in there just to record anything that you want. Hey, by all means, go ahead. It might be a little bit harder, but hey, you're putting in the effort now. If you want to go out there and buy a DVR for yourself, then hey, go out there and buy a digital voice recorder. Get the programs that you need. There are free apps that you can use to modify sounds. There are apps that you can use to even capture the paranormal. So, I mean, this is just my final thoughts, though. Do what you want to do at the same time. Be safe about it. Do we have anything new coming up? We have final episode for this series, but next episode we are dedicating the entire episode to talking about uh, what happened in Minnesota. That's right. Uh, we're gonna, That's right. We're going to talk about a little bit of history of the city, of a lot of buildings within the town that have its own paranormal history. We're not going to focus too much on that, but it does give us an understanding that there's already a lot of paranormal activity within this town. I think that's interesting considering that we have... A testimony from someone. That's right. We have a genuine testimony given to us. Uh, We won't give out the person's name until the next episode, but I can tell you that it's got some very spooky details to it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, we are super excited to be giving you guys our very first ghost story coming up here at Into the Void. Also, um, guys, if you could just do me a favor, or listener, if you could do me a favor, and just go on our Instagram at voidpodcast18. Give us a shout-out. Leave a comment. Leave a like. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you'd like to us to talk about when it comes to the paranormal. Also, go ahead and check out our Facebook page at, at podparanormal87, where we try to post up as much as we can with our shows and upcoming shows, and even give you guys little teasers about what's to come. So our goal for this show, we've, we finally have a goal. So whatever you're doing, stop, because we have a goal. And our goal is to be able to do an investigation on the Queenberry in Long Beach, California. That's right. 
myself and Mystic are pushing towards getting a room. Stand by for that because that's going to be interesting in hopes that we'll be able to do this live. Stay tuned to the Facebook. Stay tuned to the Instagram because we will definitely, definitely keep you guys posted as to when when we go, where we will be, and what will happen. Um, hopefully, uh, we capture something. There are other people who have the same idea as us. Absolutely. And we add on to them. They add on to us. Uh, you know, make it a whole social thing. Yeah. So uh, definitely a lot of exciting things to keep an eye out for. Oh, a lot of, a lot of exciting things uh, coming up. And as always, I'm Mystic. And I'm G-Man. And we want to thank you so much for falling with us into, into the, the void. void.